nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Kareem Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is your host, Kian Sobani. It is uh, it's Thursday, and we are doing the mailbag. The same mailbag we did last week, obviously with different questions, but this was a new segment. We started with Lucas Navarrete, and it, the ratings were off the roof, so the people get what, what they want, and that is a weekly mailbag with Lucas. So, okay. Lucas, <laughs> welcome to the show. I'm putting you, kind of just throwing you in here and telling you something that maybe you're not aware of, but you're going to be a weekly... Uh, Managing Budget Podcast uh, host awesome. now. So welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks, Ken. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, finishing August. <laughs> finishing August, um, heading into September, where Ramj has a bunch of difficult away games. And yep. um, by the way, like people listening to this, we're recording this before the Champions League draw. So we, we have no idea, obviously, what the groups are going to look like. So we can't analyze that. We'll probably do a separate show maybe tomorrow to to talk about Real Madrid's group, whether um, it's going to be a group of death, an easy group, whatever it is. They're in pot two, so we'll see what happens there. So we're going to bring that forward to tomorrow. Um, Lucas, we, we got a bunch of questions in for this for this episode that are that are always relevant to kind of Real Madrid's squad building and, and the transfers and whatnot. And um, it's going to take us into a few different directions and also revisit, revisit some of the history we talked about last week. Cool. So, if you're listening to this, patreon.com slash managingmadrid is where you go to pledge, get your questions in, get guaranteed responses to your questions, and uh, and help us keep the show going. The first patron question was from Daniel Pinkney. He says, so after reading about the injury to Isco, I'm assuming it's Bruno Fernandez or Bust, right? Interesting. I don't think Bruno Fernandez is the kind of player, you know, who can change Madrid season. Uh, I do think that Real Madrid needs some more depth in the midfield. I honestly haven't watched Bruno Fernandes a lot. Just, you know, a few videos to to see what kind of player he is. But I just don't think he's that kind of a star player who can just turn things around and shake things up for, for Madrid right now. I think Real Madrid needs someone probably better. Uh, Gabe and I talked about Bruno Fernandes last week on the podcast. Just, just quickly bringing up the fact that no repeatable sources have linked us with him. Yeah. And since that podcast, nothing has changed. So I, I, the one the one name I was just keeping my eye on today because Ajax finally got their Champions League qualifiers over with. They've obviously qualified. Um, yeah. And we were told that potentially Van de Beek just wants to focus on that qualification process and then maybe join. But we've seen nothing yet. And obviously, yeah. a few days ago... Ten Hag came out and said that Van de Beek is staying. Like you know, that could have been a smokescreen or not, but we haven't seen anything yet. So how do, how do you feel about um, Real Madrid's midfield right now, Lucas? Because I I talked to Oma about this quite a bit on Slack, and he he feels very strongly that we're just kind of screwed in midfield. And uh, now I'm not one way or the other. Are you leading towards Oma? Because I'm I'm kind of I think it's I think it's okay in a sense. 
Uh, I don't think it's as bad as he makes it out to be. Where do you lean on this? I I just think it's Madrid's main problem right now. Even though obviously the three main starters are have tremendous quality, Casemiro, Cross, and Modric have been a huge part of what Madrid built during the Champions League free pit and all. But I just think they, I just don't think they have it anymore to you know to be as consistent as as you need to fight against Barcelona and probably now Atletico Madrid in La Liga. And I do think that Real Madrid needs someone else there. And I don't even believe Van de Vick would, would be enough to, you know, to completely change the structure of the midfield. I, I just feel like Zidane or, or whoever the coach is needs to turn the page and probably, you know, change things up and start trying other things apart from that midfield trio. Part of the... Uh way that Zidane can also fix is that we don't we don't necessarily know if he's going to do this or not but if he deviates away from the midfield three like I'm more comfortable seeing yeah. Casemiro Kroos Modric like any combination two of those three in a double pivot and exactly. and just put because I, I like you know I don't know how you I didn't talk to you about this but um, the Valladolid game that first half or essentially until James and Isco came out Real Madrid didn't score, but I actually I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed yeah, the they control. The game. Yeah, I enjoyed the control, um, and I felt like the goal would eventually come. Um, and I thought yeah, it, it would have it would have come, especially if Jovic was playing maybe a little earlier. But but regardless, I think a lot of people from that game, Lucas, said this is what they took away, which which um, which I didn't I didn't like to look at it this way. But a lot of people looked at it and they said, "Well, it looked I guess pretty to watch, but we didn't score until we changed it." And to me, I think yeah. that's the wrong way of looking at it. I, I think yeah. it's kind of I just this like, coincidence a little bit. Yeah, I've been in just a few episodes with Yuki in, in the past. Yeah. But I feel like we've talked about Casemiro, about you know whether Real Madrid actually need Casemiro to play against teams like Valladolid, Getafe, and you know probably 75-80% of the teams at the Bernabeu. Yeah. I just don't feel like Real Madrid need Casemiro there. And I feel like it will be enough to play with Cross and Modric and probably Isco, you know, control the game, create more chances and, you know, obviously take a bit more risks. But I just feel like Casemiro is an exceptional an exceptional player to have against tough teams away from the Bernabeu, of course. You know, teams like San Mamés and obviously most Champions League teams as well. But, you know, you're hosting Valladolid or Levante or teams of that nature at the Bernabeu. And I don't feel like Casemiro gives you what, what you need which is probably control of the game and you know creating chances yeah I mean and, and one thing also to build on that um, in that Valladolid game one thing that didn't really get talked about enough in my opinion was yeah they, they scored but first of all you look at Benzema's goal that's not an easy goal like that that's not all of a sudden a formation change and Benzema scores this free goal outside the box it was a brilliant goal I don't think it was yeah. a result of this masterful tactical plan, right? Um, but the one thing that was really visible to me was that when they lost control of the ball, they started to have to defend. And when they have to defend, they can't defend. So, like, one thing that you had in that vitally first half, um, their way of their keeping possession, their ability to hold the ball, just prevented vitally from doing anything. Like, they just could not attack. Um, exactly. Now, do you need Casemiro in that situation Probably not, but you know, like it's 
to me also the other problem was like when you switch things you suffer defensively tremendously so i i'm much more of like and this is why i i had a longer leash with lobategi the most now maybe that's just me being naive and a little bit biased towards that style of football i don't think lobategi was efficient enough but i i've always liked the idea of controlling the ball um yeah that to me is just a more attractive style of football that if you can make that efficient, that's the way to go because... And most of all, let me interrupt you just real quick. Most yeah, of all, please. that's the kind of players you have. I mean, mm-hmm. you have the players to control the ball. Of course, Casemiro is not that one, but Cross, Modric, Cisco, James, all of them are uh, Benzema, all of them are suited to control the ball. So you need to build a system to, to you know, to maximize their, their, their skills. I mean, Isco, James, Cross, Modric are not built to chase the ball around. Well, the other thing is that it's not like they weren't creating anything. Like it's not like it was just it was just bad possession, like doing nothing. It, they were creating good chances. Like I think, um, and to me, I, I I liked how quickly James plays. It's like very very quick. Um, he's constantly yeah he, was yeah. he knows where the ball's going. Like before he gets it, he zips it really quickly around the pitch. And I and I like that about. It. I like the directness of Bale too. But. Um, so, I, anyways, I just think that there's a, n- another universe, and I've I've talked about this a few times. I think there's another universe where Real Madrid score early in that game. The conversation is completely different, and uh, yeah, of course. yeah, yeah, but, I agree. But the one thing Real Madrid struggled after Isco and James left, and you know, yeah. Valladolid had a couple of uh, very dangerous uh, counter-attacking chances, which uh, I mean, most of them, other than the than the equalizer, didn't materialize, but. Casemiro was on the pitch and Valladolid is still creating those chances. So whoever says that, you know, Casemiro is the proper mid- midfielder to, to defend, Real Madrid will be lost without Casemiro in the midfield. I mean, it's not like Valladolid didn't have those chances in the second half with Casemiro there. Yeah, it looked this 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 um this conversation came up during the preseason when remember Casemiro wasn't part of the team because he was with Copa America. They extended his yeah. rest, so he joined the team late. And everyone was had this idea in their head that everything would magically be solved when he comes back. And I'm like, did you did you watch any of Real Madrid's games with Casemiro exactly. in the past two years? Yeah. Um, he was part of every single one. Um, anyway, so it, it's just not to mention, I'm not saying this to kind of belittle Casemiro or whatever, but like you can't just, he's been a, a problem in terms of his, his ability to be press resistant, his ability to hold the ball. Um like he's starting to become a little bit of a liability by pressing too much, in my opinion. I mean, Real Madrid need a steady presence there in the midfield above uh, uh, Baran and Ramos, and sometimes Casemiro is not there because he loses position lately, especially against you know these smaller teams, probably. Well, the problem is also when he goes up the field like that. This is not like Real Madrid, this elite pressing team where everyone's cohesively yeah. in sync. So like behind them, it's like. It's like Baran by himself. Marcelo's yeah. already who knows where. Carvajal's who knows. So like it's like it's just a mess. Like if it was like structured behind him, I I get it, but yeah. it's it's not that way. It's chaos, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you know I, I think it'd be interesting to talk about when they and this is to me one of the reasons why they haven't won the league consistently. It's just moments like this that add up over the course of a season. Yeah. When they went up one nil. I don't know if it was naivety, if it's just everything kind of went out the window and it was like, let's just score more and more and more. I like that train of thinking, but like you can't just do it the way they did. It like Vaidoli yeah. almost scored a second one because they just weren't positioned defensively. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just what you think of it is it just moments like they switch off, they think the game is won. That consistency to be able to close a game hasn't been there. 
Yeah, I do think it's overconfidence, probably. Yeah. You know, you you kind of see it in the celebration of the goal. Like, obviously, with the fans also, I mean, the game is not over. The game is not over, and, and this is costing Madrid a lot of points at home. And, and that's, I think, this overconfidence is the main reason why Real Madrid are struggling at home last season and obviously now against Valladolid as well. I think some they tend to take, like, 30 minutes off and then obviously you only have 60 minutes to score and you sometimes it's not it's not going well for you and you start to panic and you don't create quality chances and you start rushing things up and that leads to good opportunities to the other team yeah um <clears throat> all right frederick rentekiro says what do you think of casemiro's legacy what will it be um by the time he retires do you think we're going to remember him as fondly as we do with players like Makaleli, Xabi Alonso, uh, and the best defensive midfielder ever, Lasana Diara? Obviously, that last bit is a joke because we talked about him on the last mailbag. But yeah. Casemiro's legs, I, I often think about the legacy of a lot of these players who are part of this three-peat. Um, and obviously, Casemiro is young enough, so he's going to be around for a while, I assume. Where do you think he, he ranks? Well, I think he will be remembered very fondly just just mainly because of his performances in the Champions League finals against he was uh, he was absolutely great against Atletico Madrid he was great against Juventus scoring and giving Real Madrid the lead and he was also very good against Liverpool so those three games alone grant him a a, a great place in in Real Madrid's legacy for sure this is one and obviously yeah. We tend to remember the, the good things over the bad things. So the, the bad things of Casemiro, like, you know, obviously his creativity and his skills distributing the ball will be pretty much forgotten. Yeah. This is one thing that uh, I always will remember about Casemiro. Like for all the, the kind of this tactical scrutiny I place on him almost every week in my columns and my in the podcast, I do remember fondly, like I had a lot of good things to say about him in big games. Um and one one other game that sticks out in my mind that you didn't mention in that list of uh, games he's performed in was Napoli, and I think it was sixteen yeah, seventh season. Too. Yeah, um, he's played yeah, really well one, in right? big games. Yeah, he, that was the that was the wonder goal. Yeah, the volley, um, yeah. and he does have that. Now, I I would say like if you're if you're building a, a hypothetical team, right, where you're building Real Madrid's all time eleven, I there are three defensive midfielders I would easily put over him if I'm picking that and that is Redondo Makaleli and Chabi Alonso sure. I don't I wouldn't I would not put Casemiro without hesitation I wouldn't put him in the top three easily Look, I'm not so sure about Makaleli because I think Makaleli's legacy has been kind of impactful because of how much the team struggled without him yeah but I don't think while he was there, he was as great as Casemiro, probably. Of course, the team mm. got completely lost as soon as Madrid lost him. But I think Casemiro's presence in the midfield during the years he's been here has been maybe better than Makelele. I'm not sure. His legacy just, is better. You're right. But if but I'm just taking the player in a vacuum. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Then, then, yeah, then Makelele was better, yeah. Like sure. Makelele's 2000 to 2001 season and you can extend it a year or two there it yeah. was absolutely mind-blowing because it's it was literally him on defense um shielding yeah. an old hero sometimes an old sanchez caranca campo Helguera, pavon take your pick and he yeah. was often a lone midfielder lone central midfielder in a diamond sometimes with with zidane and figo and whoever it was on the left solari mcmanaman yeah 
because sometimes it wasn't even sometimes there wasn't a little pivot and you just like it's just him like it's just him and it was for that reason like i in a vacuum like just him by himself in that one season i would take him yeah yeah Yeah, and alonso for sure and then redondo was so good yeah yeah Um, i agree with those three you mentioned yeah yeah um kunal tilakar says uh, i have a couple observations or questions First of all, personally, I didn't think we were all that bad against Valladolid. Maybe it's because I missed almost the whole of last year, but I heard a lot of you guys go on about how we had so many shots uh, in those games but scored only once. Yes, we took shots, but I didn't see many downright chances. I think we lacked that final spark that would convert those half chances into those chances that you have to score from. And I think Hazard will help a great deal in that regards. Maybe Hazard and Jovic could solve our problems on that goal-scoring front. However, I can't help but think that playing both Jovic and Benzema would probably mean us switching to a 4-4-2 and teams may again resort to clogging and pressurizing our midfield. Um, Also, who will we sacrifice midfield if we do that? Is it Casemiro? Um, Okay, there's a second part to this question, but uh, we'll we'll get to it. So, the idea of switching to a 4-4-2 with... If you had Jovic and Benzema together, do you think... I know the answer is they can coexist, obviously, because Benzema can pretty much coexist with anyone you put him up there. But um, who do you sacrifice in that scenario? Would you play them both? Would you only play one of them? This question assumes that Madrid's main issue is converting chances or creating quality chances, if you like. (laughs) And I just think that Real Madrid are not keeping enough clean sheets for yeah. that offensive issue to be the main problem. Of course, Real Madrid could be converting more chances they have the players to do so. But we don't see Madrid keeping clean sheets enough. I mean, forget about it. If Madrid keep a clean sheet against Valladolid, it's three points. They, of, of course, it was kind of a lucky goal, a brilliant goal, of course. But as, as you mentioned before, not a goal created by you know your your ability to to, to create chances or playmaker and everything. Just a, a, a genius uh, play by Benzema. But again, I don't think the main issue is is scoring. If you, if Madrid end up scoring one or two goals, probably almost every week, they just cannot prevent the other team from scoring either so I'm not yeah. so sure but about the 4-4-2 it probably makes sense because I, I just said before that the midfield probably need to, needs to change from that uh, Casemiro, Modric and, and Cross trio but again I, I just don't think the, that scoring is the main issue I guess my my issue with all that is that I agree the, the main problem is like your the defending has been terrible for a couple of years now I'm kind of almost, I wouldn't say giving up, but I'm, I am a little bit giving up on Real Madrid's ability to do that. So what is... Yeah, the defended, but let me puntualize that the defended, but not the performance of the defenders mostly. I think it's, it's I mean, they're exposed by the midfield. Yeah, Ramos it's, a, it's Mar- a tactical issue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not because Ramos and Marana aren't performing well. Of course, Carvajal and Marcelo could do more defensively, but... You know, in modern football, fullbacks are just offensive players. So it's it's the midfield who has to to do a better job uh, of protecting Varane and Ramos, in my opinion. Well, it's it's a it's a bit of everything because sometimes we get so hung up on like formations and the solution is three five two, it's four two three one, whatever. And like I sometimes you know with with this team in particular, 
those necessarily haven't necessarily been solutions to shore up your defense because I've seen this team play defensively and still not be able to defend. And so, like you that three five two that was ex, you know experimented with in preseason, for example, even that was a defensive mess. Well, like the three five two, I like that formation in a vacuum, but like when you have it structured the way Zidane had it structured, uh, and, and honestly, whenever he structured in these past few years, it's been a, been a bit of a mess because not everyone's in position properly, and and you know, the three people at the back, um, they're not in position to cover properly. So it's kind of a bit of a mess and it's a high line. Um, there is, there's, I guess, um, it's not like they absolutely can't do. We've seen Real Madrid defend well, sporadically. Uh, even against Celta, even though they conceded that goal. Yep. I'd say overall it was like, the, all they did yeah, was really, it was good to, yeah. yeah, it was just like a little bit of a sy- systemic tweak where the team wasn't flooding the final third and crossing a million times. And they were just kind of hedged back a little bit. They tried to get bail on the counterattack, and they, they didn't really concede until the game was over. So there is it's possible. But I guess in years past, this is where the goal-scoring thing comes in for me, Lucas, is in the past, you could you could get away without defending well because Ronaldo yeah. would just score. And now so that figure doesn't exist anymore. So, um, so that's, to me, the case for playing Jovic more. Now, I... Well, I, why I, not fix the midfield then? Well, of course, that's that's I mean, where it all is. is yeah. kind of working. Uh, uh, the offense is pretty much working. I mean, you're scoring, so why not fix the midfield? And but but of course, you have the tools you have right now. So it's not like there are many solutions to fix the midfield if not a single player comes. So, but yeah, yeah playing playing Benzema and Jovic would probably give you more chances. But I'm not so sure about. I mean, who would you be dropping there? Um, so I was looking at that um, Vidal lead game, and I and I often have revisited it a few times actually because uh, I'm kind of fascinated by it, by how how it happened. Um, and one of the things that you know, kind of maybe a little bit my mistake because when I was looking at, it, I thought this was we're creating good chances. I went back and I looked at the xG and the chances created. A lot of those yeah. chances were difficult, like they were. Like you had bailed the far post, bailed that one touch shot in the box. Maybe you should take an extra touch. Hamas is shot from the top of the box. I yeah. guess they weren't like clear cut in your face chances, but no. um, I do wonder. I'm looking at that lineup. Could you have put Jovic instead of Benzema there, and 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 lived with in a kind of going that way, where Jovic is a pure finisher. He's like this cold blooded finisher, and the the logic behind benching Benzema on the situation would just be like, well, you have enough creators in this team, so do you need another one linking up? You, if you had James, Isco, and Bale creating okay. and shooting, you could just put Jovic in there to, to capitalize on some of those crosses. Okay, but you're dropping your best player to fix <laughs> to fix something. I mean, it doesn't make... I mean, without Benzema, we don't know if, if, you, if you kind of score a more easier chance than the one Benzema converted, for sure, but... Benzema was your best player last season. Does he deserve to be benched more than other players? I mean, it's it's a, it's very tough for me to to bench Benzema, even if you kind of solve the team issue right now, because Benzema is your best player right now, and for me, you, you have to find other other answers. I mean, you you need to find something yeah. who, uh, which allows Benzema to play. I get it, but it, it's kind of a cruel world. So my, this is how I look at it. It's um kind of the emotion of benching Benzema aside, if you 
if the problem is in midfield and you need to put bodies in the midfield to help with transition defense and control the game, then you, that not that kind of the only way you're going to squeeze in Jovic without... Because the other, the other version is you squeeze in Jovic in a 4-4-2 with Benzema, which yeah. I'm not against. And I, I predicted we'd see a lot of it when we signed him because I think Zidane would like to see that happen. Yeah. Um, but then you're essentially in a 4-4-2 situation where you have two wingers and two midfielders centrally. It kind of is like a disaster waiting to happen for a team like this. Yeah, depending on who the wingers are, for sure. If it's Bale and Hazard, yeah, it's a disaster for sure because they're offensive, play- they're attackers, they're not midfielders. Yeah, but I mean, the only who who which winger would all of a sudden solve that issue? Vasquez. Iskon Hames probably could have that kind of work rate, but of course you would be dropping Hazard after yeah, spending one hundred million of, on on him, and that doesn't make any sense. And and if you want to play Hazard, then it's Vasquez, the one who can host the team, but. Yeah, I, I don't think it would solve any 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 issues. But so then, to, to me, so the, on one hand, I think with ben, if you had to choose between one of Benzema and Jovic, if it's Benzema, um, you I think you're a bit better defensively. I think you have more kind of control in midfield. Uh, Benzema drops deep. If it's Jovic, I feel a little bit more secure about scoring goals. Now, maybe that's unfair because Benzema, like, you know, he's the one who bailed us out and even got us a point in that game. And it was not an easy chance to take. And the reason we want Jovic is in there is to take the kind of those low XG chances and score them and convert yeah. them, which was what Benzema did. Um, but that worries me for bigger games. I don't, you know, we didn't, we didn't have those Benzema goals in bigger games last season. And, I'm not, I don't think it's on him, but yeah. But are we sure that Jovic has that kind of quality to, you know, to be that kind of player for Madrid? And well, we, we don't know see, yet, don't we? Like we have to. I mean, it's way too early, so I don't know. But his track record with Frankfurt is like prototypically is exactly what we needed. It's that yeah, that guy who can just take his chances. So, you know, that's why we signed him. So I don't. It does worry me a bit, a little bit. It kind of it. To a to a different extent, it would be the Mariano problem. Because to me, even though Mariano was not the best striker in the world, that's cleared for everyone to see. But to me, he solved a very particular problem last season in the what the way we played, the crosses, the the, the kind of lack of ability to score goals, which Mariano clearly proved he could do with Leon. Um, he didn't play, so like this is kind of an extension to that problem to me a little bit. Whereas Jovic is a far better player than Mariano like yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of proven but yeah, yeah how will we use him it's it's very tough answering yeah. this question because I just think this Real Madrid with Benzema up front would be much better with uh, you know moving on from the midfield trio we talked before okay uh, and, and but of course yeah you need you need signings for for that and it's Pogba is probably the only one who, who who solves that issue because he's a central midfielder, but he has that kind of work rate to to help the team press in a, a little bit more. So it's very tough. I just don't think you can you can bench Benzema right now. So if you, I, I I'm all in for Jovic and giving Jovic fair chances, and of of course during the season Benzema can be on the bench. But uh, in terms of building your team, I, I just don't think you can build build it with Benzema on the bench. So Kunal has a a second part to this question. Um, he says it's encouraging to hear that 
so many of our players have good heads on their shoulders. Um, whether it's Odegaard, Rodrigo, Vinicius, Reguilon, all of them are very mature kids. Maybe I'm taking this into a very abstract direction, but uh, maybe that's a good reason why we shouldn't sign Neymar. He, isn't he is not an ideal role model to these obviously amazing kids. With the Brazilians, that can, can't be erased, but at least mitigated. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think it's an important part of, of a player's, you know, personality and, and, and you know, all-around package, you know, the, uh, the maturity and all. I don't think Neymar is a great fit in terms of football because he plays the same position as Hazard. He obviously <laughs> earns a lot of money, would cost Real Madrid a lot of money, which could be spent in, you know, to improve all the areas of the team, which I think are in more desperate need than than the offense line but uh yeah i I would agree that it's an important you know an important attribute of a player's all-around package of course i can't wait till this neymar neymar saga is finished it's like every hour it's a different report it's you know psg have closed the doors he's back in training then uh, Romano is reporting it's a done deal. He's going to Barca it, every hour. It's a conflicting report, and I'm just I I've just basically at this point I don't I don't even know what to think anymore. Who knows? I kind of hope he just stays at PSG. I do because I, I honestly don't want him in in Madrid because I, I again I just don't think he's needed, and obviously he would be so dangerous in in Barcelona and would give Valverde so many options to rest Messi, Griezmann and and obviously Suarez throughout the entire season so the best scenario I think would be for for him to stay in, in Paris of course the best scenario in terms of, of Madrid yeah um, okay Tyler Simon says why do a lot of fans want Mourinho to come back I'll be honest if Zidane gets sacked Mourinho is likely to return he will bring back tactics but people forget all the negativity he brings People are reminiscing on that 11-12 La Liga campaign too much. Is it like Bale, um, a lesser evil than Zidane, as I've heard, or do people actually think he will bring us back to the top? I don't, have you and I ever talked about Mourinho before? I can't remember. I don't. I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. What are your thoughts? I, I like Mourinho's personality. I like what he brings to the team because you know everyone seems to care more about the team when he, when he's around. I obviously get that his career has has hit a, a very difficult spiral, and I I probably think I think that he needs Madrid to resurrect his career, but I I don't think that Madrid needs him as much as he was needed back in in 2010. I I do believe that he was crucial towards the team's uh, rebuild. That year, I think his his three years in Madrid were extremely positive towards you know the club Real Madrid are today. I think he was crucial and he built a team that won the La Decima. Even though, of course, Ancelotti should be mentioned and he was the coach that year. And about bringing him back, I I just I I'm not sure that he's what Madrid right now because you know his relationship with Ramos with Marcelo, even though. Those two are probably the, the only players who remain here. I don't think he will solve most of Madrid's issues right now. It's funny because 
<clears throat> I watch him on TV sometimes when he does this, now that he's an analyst um, on occasion. And, Brilliant and he, analysis. Yeah, I, it's, I it's actually quite amazing to listen to. Like, I'm, I, I really feel like I'm kind of sucked into what he's saying and I'm just listening. I'm like, this makes sense, okay? And, he, and you kind of, he, you can tell he's like a, a level above every, all the other people sitting there. Because yeah. um, obviously he's a professional football coach. Um, but sometimes you... And a good one. <laughs> and a really good one. Sometimes you look at his team's play, though, and you're like, what the heck is going on? This is a mess. Um, why is he, his whole game plan to use Fellaini, um, crossing from yeah. defenders to Fellaini? Like, and it's it's quite ugly to watch. My, I kind of think the 11 to 12 season and some of those really fun counterattacking seasons and attacking seasons that Real Madrid had under him and getting us over that Champions League hump and getting us to the semifinals... Some of that is, at this point, it's just, it, all it is is nostalgia. It's because we all, there's that side of it, but we also remember the other side of it, which was not fun, and especially the way it ended. Um, it's a whirlwind of drama. I mean, Ramjid, regardless of who the coach yeah. is, there will be drama. I think exactly um, that is inescapable, whether it's Mourinho or Carlo or Del Bosque. It just, it exists. I mean, there are certain coaches who are better at diffusing things, but Mourinho will, will it'll be... I, I think one thing I know for sure about Mourinho, if he ever came back, it's there would be dramatic instant changes almost. Like you would, I think he would not hesitate to disband the old guard, the way Zidane oh, kind of clings to them. He would, he would be, he would have no, none of it, I don't think. For sure. Yeah, I think he'd be done with it. Um, but I, I, I'll be honest, I, I just think it's a, it's too easy. It's not, it doesn't seem, um, it's narrow vision to me to 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 cling back to Mourinho now. I think it's there's a way forward without without him. Yeah, I think his struggles, you know, the the things you mentioned about United's nonsense tactics and and all that. I think it's just because of of his character and his you know his his sense of loyalty. I just think he he cares too much about which players are loyal. Uh, to him or not, and it, it probably forces him to play them other o- over other players who might not care as much um, about his philosophy or, or or whatever. You know, maybe I think he got lost somewhere there with with all this sense of loyalty and you know and, and whole personality. But I think he's he, tact- for, from a tactical standpoint. I think he's, he's great. And he continues to be great other than, you know, he probably cares too much about which players are loyal to him or not. Chris G says, um, the burnabout doesn't seem to have the same support for the squad and the effect um, that it, ha- it used to have for visiting teams. Do you guys believe that this is one of the major or minor reasons we drop points versus smaller teams at home? I would love to hear you guys' opinion. I, I, I don't think it plays a, a, a big factor, you know. It's true. Well, what Chris says is is mainly true. The the Bernabeu is not a great uh, home field uh, advantage for for Real Madrid. That's that's obviously certain. It's not Anfield. It's not uh, the Signal Iduna Park, or it's not San Mamés, or it's not the Wanda. The fans are not pressing the referee as much. The fans are not supporting their players as much. But I just I just think there are bigger bigger concerns other than that the support of the fan, of the whole fans. Yeah, you can't pin it 
pin it on the on that as an excuse. I, I so if the question is is this a major or minor reason, it's it's to me it's a minor reason because ultimately yeah. what wins you games is the quality on the pitch. Yeah. Um, and, is, and, and the fans mm. never quit when when the players are are performing well, in my opinion. No, I mean I think we saw that against Valladolid, didn't we? I mean. For like 60, 70 minutes, the crowd was really happy with what they were seeing. Like, that was yeah. obvious to me. Yeah. Um, but it is funny. Like, you know, we we do that historical segment where we watch old Real Madrid games on this podcast. Uh, and by the way, those of you who are waiting uh, on this, because uh, we were supposed to do Real Madrid 3-0 Valencia um, for the Champions League final in 2000, um, we had to just bring yeah. that forward due to scheduling conflicts. Sorry about that. Anyways, but one of the things that we... I take away from those watching those games is that the Bernabeu was completely different. It was so much more raucous and like um, there was so much more adrenaline. I mean, and obviously part of the reason is because the ultras are gone, um, rightfully so. But like it is true, like the Bernabeu just isn't what it was also. Um, on big nights though, it's it's good. Um, yeah, on big nights is great. Yeah, big nights it's great still. Uh, Varun says... Um, so this actually, we almost should have saved our Jovic Benzema discussion for this part because this is yeah, what, it. yeah. Um, but let's see if we'll just read it and see if there's anything else we want to add to it. Varun says, um, Kian, explain why Jovic should start ahead of Benzema. Lucas, <laughs> explain why Benzema <laughs> should start ahead of Jovic. I prefer both Jovic and Benzema to start with Hazard and Bale on either wings and Benzema in the number 10 role. Um, in a four-two-three-one, four, yeah. yeah. Will the system of mine produce results or not? The problem with a four-two-three-one is who you who do you start in the midfield? If you start Casemiro and Modric, I think you're you're struggling controlling the game. If you start Casemiro and Cross, I think the same issue is there. And if you start Cross and Modric together, I think you need someone to defend. Maybe not at home in some games, but I think that's a little bit too offensive-minded. So I think Real Madrid don't have the midfielders to play in a double pivot right now. Well, my only counter that I think, was it against, I believe it was against PSG where we saw Casemiro and double pivot with Kovacic and it looked amazing. Um, it actually looked yeah, but, really but good. Yeah, but is that player, I think, who works hard. Pogba is that same player again. Works hard, presses kind of well also has the skills to distribute, but neither Modric nor Cross have that kind of pressing ability, in my opinion. I think it it would work, and it would have also a lot to do with the three in front of them. Um, it's funny, because like, the three are going to be reliant on the, whoever the two are. The two are going to be reliant on the, whoever the three are. That's obvious, but yeah, it, just in the sense that if you have the right three in front and you have enough control and your pressing is good enough, you're going to have less to do defensively. So... Um, I guess the my ideal lineup, and I know I this is not going to be popular with you, but I would, and this is this is my ideal lineup now. It may change next okay. week. I, this is just based on what I'm seeing right now and what I've seen from the players. I would love to see a front four of Pale, James, Hazard, and Jovic. I would love to see that. With with who in the midfield? At this point, it's. Probably Casemiro and <laughs> Modric. <laughs> exactly what you didn't want. Or Casemiro and Cruz. To me, like the, those those two, whoever they are, I think they'll be... Yeah, they'll be fine. In a way, they'll be fine. I think you can kind of have those two interchangeable. I think you can also have the three interchangeable. I, this is not, I'm not married to this, but it, 
uh, I just I want to see Jovic get consistent playing time to see how many goals he can score. Yeah, he he deserves a chance for sure, and he he'll get it. I mean, he's not the player who who will be sitting on the bench in ninety percent of the games. He he will. I think Zidane will use him more than than what he used uh, Mariano last season for sure. And about that lineup you mentioned, I think it's it's an interesting lineup. But I'd rather see Varun's lineup with Benzema behind behind Jovic in a four-two-three-one. I think that would work better than. Well, I'm probably with Hames on the right wing, other than uh, uh, other than Bale, because I think Hames would provide that bit more of control of the tempo of the game that Bale doesn't have, and he will also, you know, help the team keep control of the of the ball. So I think that four-two-three-one is interesting to to explore with with Hames on the right wing and Benzema behind Jovic. Yeah, and, I, and he's a lot of these interchangeable. Like one of the things we have to remember is that Real Madrid, yeah. you have no idea who's available every week. It's like going to be yeah. completely different. <laughs> Just the amount of injuries are crazy, and suspensions that come in rest. Um, you know, so there there are definitely variations to this. Um, all right, I think we I think we have to wrap it up. Um, anything anything before we close? Do you want to plug anything? Well, I'd like to see that. To say sorry that uh, I think Real Madrid's uh, away game against Villarreal will be very tough <laughs> for one, yeah. and also that uh, I expect Zidane to to give chances to to Jovic uh, fairly soon alongside Benzema as well. I think that Jovic and Benzema are going to play together quite a lot. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, there's going to be we're going to see I think a bunch of different. Uh, variations of this team by Christmas and then maybe yeah. we can kind of make a judgment after that but yeah, uh, I do agree Villarreal will be tough and despite they lost to Levante yesterday and despite them being not yesterday sorry last week uh, yeah, and despite true. them being uh, terrible generally for the entire season last season they have that ability to to be like oh it's Real Madrid Real Madrid's in town I think yeah. we should step let's it play. up yeah let's play um, alright Lucas this was fun it always is with you so let's uh, chat next week and Hala Madrid. Sure. Hala Madrid. <laughs>